0: Lord, Jonathan Santana said you sent me a text something about enchiladas and whatnot. Would you resend that? I didn't get it. Um, anyway, why don't you folks come if you will, uh, Jonathan Santana, the family. Uh, if you'd like to come, and uh, uh, whoever you folks want to come and participate, this is a great family moment. Thank the Lord. If you just come and stand behind me. Told them today this is a very special occasion for their family, for their baby, and uh, so if they want to snap pictures, y'all walk around the building, and do what you need to do. Uh, certainly want Amelia to be able to say one day, you can go back and look in pictures and say, "Yes, my mom and dad gave me back to Jesus." Thank the Lord. I noticed Chris and Hannah at the hospital holding the baby. Did. Anything prophetical going on? Just thought I'd ask it. Okay. Y'all keep us posted. Uh, But anyway, what a special moment. And uh, a baby dedication service is probably one of my most favorite pastoral privileges. It's a great, great thing. I want to say this to Jonathan and Santana. I believe God has given y'all this baby for a very special time, for a very special purpose. I'm glad y'all chose that song to go with your PowerPoint presentation, and I do pray that God will feel, well, we'll give you credit. Uh, just cooperate with me here sometime, it'd be a good thing. Uh, trying to give you some credit here, son. Uh, but I do hope that God will fill her mind and heart with dreams and visions, particularly for the king glad you folks are here thank y'all for coming all y'all from Louisiana the promised land the best eating on the planet glad y'all are here thank you for coming up and participating in this service today Amelia has been given to Jonathan and Santana to keep to train up to teach to love, and to prepare her for her future, no matter what that future is. The word dedicate in the original Hebrew means to keep and to prepare. So God is saying to Jonathan and Santana and this sweet family, I want you to keep this child and I want you to prepare her to be a partaker of this dedication covenant for the rest of her life. It doesn't end here. It begins here. And God will provide you guys the necessary things you will need to fulfill this dedication covenant as long as you stay committed to him and the covenant that you're in the process of making today. God will provide the plan I believe God will provide the means and God will provide the way. So you as parents simply dedicate this child and her life to God and I can promise you that God will do his part. Jonathan and Santana what you are doing today with Amelia is simply giving her back to God from whence she came. You're making a powerful statement to the Lord and this is what you're saying in this dedication covenant today. Lord, we dedicate Amelia to you today. Will you allow us to keep her and prepare her for your purpose and your kingdom? That's what dedication covenant is all about. I'm going to ask the congregation to stand with, the, with me this morning, and I'm going to face Jonathan and Santana, as is our custom when we have a baby dedication, or I prefer to call it a dedication covenant. Jonathan and Santana, I will charge you today to keep her, to keep Amelia. That's not going to be an issue, is it? Okay. To keep her, to prepare teach her and to lead her by your example. Do it as loving and godly parents from this day forward. So I'm going to ask you some questions through this covenant process and you can answer. We do because I'm confident this is what your answer will be. Do you now present your child before God in solemn dedication. Do you consecrate yourselves as parents. To bring up your child. In the nurture. And admonition of the Lord. Do you promise. To instruct her. In the teachings of Jesus Christ. And in the practice of prayer. And to guide her in the development. Of Christ like character? do you promise to the best of your ability so to shape the home life of your child both by family devotion and by your words and your example that she will at the proper age most naturally come to an open confession of Christ and into the fellowship and service of his kingdom. So with your agreement to this covenant in the name of the Lord Jesus, I dedicate this child, Amelia Brooke Negroni, to God and to his holy service. I would like to take her in my arms in just a moment as we get ready to pray. But I also want to charge this church family, our teachers, our leaders, every saint of God, to treat this baby as one of God's own and to do your part in leading her close to God. If you will do that, I would appreciate a good hearty amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for that. I'm going to, if I may. This baby is gorgeous. And I'm glad she will know as a child that hair will not be an issue got plenty of it would you folks join together with me as we pray this covenant prayer of dedication father we love you today it is a blessed privilege to hold this beautiful beautiful baby in our arms you've given this child to Jonathan and Santana what a gift what a gift beautiful healthy in every way and we are so grateful And God, today I stand on their behalf, if you will, to present this baby to you. She's yours, her talents, her dreams, her ambitions, and her desires. As far as her mom and dad is concerned, God, they've all been given back to you. It's your baby now. She's your baby now. And I pray, God, that you would keep your hands on this child. Always, God, keep her in your arms. We pray, God, that you would protect her, keep her from evil, keep her from harm, sickness, and disease. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that when she is old enough to begin to learn the word of God, that you will have on the inside of her waiting a desire to learn it, to memorize it, to apply it, to live it, and to share it. God, use this baby for your kingdom. Yes, she can impact her community. She can impact her place of employment. She can impact her future family, her own kids when that time comes. But I pray that her greatest impact will be for the kingdom because that is truly eternal. God, she's in your hands. She's in your hands. And I pray, God, that she will always remain in your hands. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? and I want to I know this is a real traditional thing but it has ceased to be a tradition with me because the value of this book is just absolutely amazing and y'all know that I want to put it in your hand as the priest of your home as the spiritual leader of your home you have an obligation you have a duty and um, Morgan I think they've done a pretty good job they do a little better. I'm kidding. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. But I want to put this in your hand. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And we all know kids today that are going the wrong direction. The devil has them where he wants them. And the biggest reason is because they know nothing about this book. Right here in America. Right here in America. So I present this to you. Give it to her. Share it with her, teacher. Santana will have a certificate. Usually we take a little picture and put it on a certificate and give it to you. So that will be forthcoming. It will be from, this, from today that we'll give to you. But you all never forget this moment. You folks join with me one more time. Thank you for your patience. But let's pray for this sweet family right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for this good man right now. You've put in his hands a great responsibility. And I pray today that he will always be accountable to your word, to your spirit. He'll always be accountable to his family. I pray, God, that something will be birthed in his heart, a determination like he's never had before. That will simply be this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I pray that, God, you would fill his heart with conviction, fervency, anointing, determination and a love and a passion for you and his family. I pray, God, that you'll keep him strong and encouraged, keep him strong in the word of God, and give him the wisdom and knowledge to teach and train this beautiful gift that you gave him that he holds in his arms. I pray for Santana, God, that as a mom, that you would bring out those beautiful, beautiful, nurturing, loving, kind, patient, qualities and characteristics that comes with motherhood, but I pray, God, that as she naturally responds as mom, that she'll also spiritually respond as a mom who cares about the spiritual welfare of her baby. I pray, God, that you'd give her a desire and a determination to pray with Amelia, to be there when she's filled with your spirit, to be there when she's baptized in your name, to see her grow and develop the great Christian attributes that she will be given. God, give them patience. Give them your love. Give them your power, your support. God, I pray for Morgan today. She can be an influence. God, she can be an impact on little sweet Amelia. I know, God, that she's going to be put in some hard spots and there's going to be times that she really don't understand. But I hope, God, that she will always value the presence of Amelia in their home, that she will love her, that she will be kind, and that she will share her relationship with God, with her. Bless this family. Bless this family, these wonderful people. Let them become a network of support that this baby can grow and be more and more like you. We ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you people. Love you all. Thank the Lord. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all for coming. Long ways, huh? Not too bad. Morgan. Isn't the Lord beautiful? These are moments... These are moments that just gets me real excited about being a part of the kingdom. Thank you for your patience and a beautiful, beautiful time. I want to read this morning from Matthew chapter 26, and I know I'm going to be racing against the clock this morning, but Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, my heart is burning... My heart is on fire this morning. The Bible said in verse 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 41, the Bible said, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast. And kneeled down and prayed. I want to speak to you for a few minutes this morning. And I hope you'll give me just a little more time. And I'll go as quickly as I possibly can. But I have something from the Lord to give to all of you here today. I want to preach to you for a little while about being committed to go a little further. Committed to go a little further. Thank you for standing. Thank God for the word. You may be seated. The two passages that we have read is activity that follows the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples, which took place in the upper room where they would later be endued with power from on high. If you were to read John chapter 13 through 16, you would be able to hear the words of the Lord and observe some of his actions there. And despite the actions of Judas Iscariot that night, prior to all the trouble that was about to befall Jesus on that night, the disciples appeared to have been enjoying a time of closeness and camaraderie. After Jesus and the remaining disciples had ate their supper, they sang a hymn, they left the upper room to go to the Mount of Olives, Uh, more specifically, the Garden of Gethsemane. He had spent every night of the Passover week in the Mount of Olives. It was here that the Lord would spend a night of agony in the Garden of Gethsemane among the olive trees. He was moving in this direction for privacy and prayer to get ready for what was to come to him. The place was just a short distance from the bridge that crossed the Brook Kedron at the foot of the Mount of Olives. I have been there, and it is truly a beautiful, beautiful garden. But I want you to notice when he arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion. He leaves eight of the disciples at the gate of the garden. This is to me... A beautiful manifestation of the grace of God in action. Jesus knew that these eight men in their present state of faith and love toward him would not be able to handle the strain of what was about to come to Jesus. I believe we ought to thank God regularly for his grace on us. When he allows us to stay behind sometimes and not have to contend with some of the challenges and pressures of life that would be and could be detrimental to us. Throughout the Bible, there are similar situations when this took place. Abraham, for example, telling the servants to remain at the foothills of Moriah so that he and Isaac could go and worship He was going to sacrifice, and he knew his servants could not bear the moment and the atmosphere that sacrificing Isaac would produce. Abraham was going to sacrifice, but he called it worship. Moses left Joshua before going into the Mount of Sinai to receive the law, because no doubt he knew. That there would be an environment, a pressure, a strain that Joshua in his young age would not be able to handle. There are times when we may feel as if we're being left alone. But it is the kindness and grace of God in action that is literally shaping us into what God desires to bring out of our life. But there were three of these men Three of the disciples, Jesus left eight at the gate of the garden. But there were three that he brought with him. Listen very carefully. He brought with him Peter, James, and John. Those were the three that Jesus had invited with him to experience his transfiguration in the mount. And it seemed that perhaps to Jesus they did okay. So where he left eight at the gate, He brought three with him to be a witness, to be introduced to an environment of going a little further than they had ever been in before. It's not that they were better than the eight, but it was just simply that God chose them to pull them forward with him. And then we will discover if you read on after he pulled them forward with him to a certain point, the Bible said he even committed a little bit more and went a little further than that. Because Jesus saw, I believe, he saw that they had a desire to go a little further. They were invited to experience the Mount of Transfiguration with him. And now they were about to accompany him to a place that they had never been before. They were now about to watch the process of committing to going a little further. I hope by now that everyone in the house is on board and you're on a wavelength with me. It doesn't matter today what you're what your level of spirituality is, there's always room for every one of us to go a little bit further than we've ever been. So against the backdrop of what we've been teaching on Wednesday night about vision, what we've been preaching about on Sunday, preached about repentance and worship and commitment. Today I want to challenge our church as I believe God has sanctioned this moment by a Incredible manifestation of himself a few moments ago. God has sanctioned this service. He has set this service apart from any other. And he wants to extend to every person in the house today an opportunity to go a little further in your relationship with God. He wants to give you an opportunity to commit a little bit more. Nobody here today is maxed out. Nobody here today has gone as far as you can go. Every one of us here today can go a little bit further in our relationship with God. If you've never been to the garden, welcome. If you've never been that far into the garden, welcome. If you've never been that close to Jesus, welcome. But I want to tell you today, He didn't come to bring you to a place You've already been. He's come today to take you to a place that you have never been. George Dawson said, Great characters and great souls are like mountains. They always attract storms. Upon their heads break the thunders, and around their bare tops flash the lightning and the seeming wrath of God. Nevertheless, they form a shelter for the plains of those beneath them, higher than all men around his head, seemed to beat the very storms of sin. Yet beneath the shelter of his great, consoling, sustaining spirit, what lowly people, what humble souls have gained their life in this world and eternal rest in God. We're all being summoned today to go a little further. I want to spend a few moments with you today by way of illustration. Joseph Ford wrote a book called Moonwalking with Einstein in which he tells about his responsibility as a journalist to cover the Grand Masters Memory Championship in 2005. He was astounded at the ability of these people to remember such incredible things. They would remember a thousand images in order after studying them for only ten minutes in a computer flash presentation they would be given seven minutes to memorize the order of two separate decks of cards he reveled in the amazing power of the the people's minds that was participating in the grand masters memory championship in 2005 just go ahead and tell you, I wouldn't last five minutes when it comes to memory. <clears throat> but during his coverage of the event, one of the Grand Master officials came up to him and was involved in an interview with him. The official told him that these were normal people who had worked to develop their minds to remember things, and that if Four would be willing to submit himself, to the techniques, he could do it as well. Forrest scoffed at this and told the man there was no way he could remember things like these people could. The official told him that he was underselling under himself and that with a little work he would be able to do the same thing. A month after that championship tournament in 2005, Four had left the competition. His This man's words continued to pull at him, and he contacted him and asked him if he had been joking with him. The man affir- again affirmed to him that he could do the same thing, but it would take some work to do it. So Four allowed this man to help him, and in 2009, Joseph Four won the Grand Master's Memory Championship, and the book is about the process That Four went through to win that championship after only four years of training and teaching and preparation. There's a chapter in the book called The OK Plateau. Four wrote a chapter in the book called The OK Plateau, in which he describes the point that all men reach in their pursuit of excellence in whatever field they're in. It takes place when people and their ability to type. We all start with sloppy, uncoordinated efforts, and there comes a time when we no longer progress. The whole process of learning to type becomes unconscious, and our fingers take on a mind of their own. Despite the fact that we have been told that practice makes perfect, many people type all day long, and they never get better at it. The question is, Why not? I am happy to announce that I took a typing test about two years ago on the computer and I averaged 20 words a minute. Y'all don't have to clap. You didn't know how bad it was before I started. It's taken me a long time to get where I am in typing. The answer is found in a study, the answer to why not, why do people who type all day long, I'm going somewhere with this, y'all give me some patience and latitude, but the people type all day long, but they never get faster, they plateau out, why not? The answer is found in a study that was conducted in the 1960s by Paul Fitz and Michael Posner, who describe three stages people go through when acquiring a new skill. The first is a cognitive stage. It involves something called intellectualizing or just thinking through how to do the skill. People discover new strategies to make them more proficient. The second stage is the associative stage. It is a place where people concentrate less on making fewer errors and generally can do the skill with great efficiency. The third stage is the autonomous stage. This is when one figures that he has in the place that is is as good as he is going to get. Uh, You reach a point where you plateau out. He then turns to the autopilot mode and somewhat loses consciousness about the skills he is using. Most of the time, that is good because your mind is freed up to move on to new areas and not have to worry constantly with new details. This is a medically documented fact noted by physicians who study brain function through specialized MRI technique. The area of the brain that was pushing this particular skill quits developing. This is what is commonly called the OK plateau. In other words, I'm good at where I'm at, I don't need to get better. Every one of us reaches these plateau levels. Driving skills. Driving skills. Driving skills. Are developed ultimately only to avoid accidents and speeding tickets. It happens to golfers. It happens to musicians who have been classically trained. It's kind of like the flea who is put in the jar with a lid, and he hops up and keeps hitting his head until when the lid is removed, he can't hop out of the jar because his mind tells him he can't do it. Sir Francis Galton, in 1869, wrote in a book called Hereditary Genius that this was a place that we cannot go beyond, but Anders Erickson, who is a memory coach, had discovered over and over that with the right kind of concentrated effort, one can overcome the okay plateau. They believe that Galton's wall often has much less to do with our own innate limits than simply with what we consider an acceptable level of performance. What separates the experts from the rest of us? is that they tend to engage in a much directed highly revised routine they develop strategies to stay out of the autonomous stage or the okay plateau they do it in three ways number one they never lose focus of their technique number two is they stay goal oriented number three they are getting, consist- they're getting constant and immediate feedback on their performance. This forces them to stay in the thinking phase of the task they're working on. Amateur musicians are more likely to spend time practicing music they already know, whereas the professional classical musicians work solely on the difficult pieces than the tedious exercises. The best ice skaters spend their time working on jumps that they aren't good at. These skaters who have less ability, those skaters who have less ability spend time working on jumps they already mastered. If they're going to get any better, they have to practice deliberate and hard. When a person wants to get better at something, they are all What they're already doing is this. When you want to get better, this is what you're doing. How you spend the practice time is much more important than how much time you spend practicing. The best way to get out of the automatic stage is to actually do things that you will fail at while you're practicing. There are huge spiritual lessons in that lengthy illustration that I just gave to you. Our spiritual lives and service to God has the same sort of dynamics in it as well. I can only hope that the same attitude that Jesus had to go a little further would get in the heart of every one of us here today. If I could tell and have you understand Jesus as an individual could have been satisfied probably to have stopped his spiritual progression at the Mount of Transfiguration. That was his glory moment, man. That's when God showed through and through. The Bible is very clear. The Bible said that the disciples that were present on that occasion said, we saw no man save Jesus only. He was completely transparent to them as God in flesh and Jesus could have balled up his fist and shouted out a gravelly yes this has been my moment but he chose to commit to a little further and he went beyond himself uh, and what he got out of it uh, to be able to impact uh, everyone else uh, we must understand come on Grace Church somebody get with me if we're going to impact our community sister Bonnie if we're going to impact our children we've got to go further than we've ever been we've got to do a little bit more and step up a little bit greater in our commitment <laughs> remember if you do the things you've always done you'll always get what you've always gotten so i'm pleading with somebody here get some vision and make a commitment to get better better i've told our leadership team a million times all we want to do here at our church are those things that makes it better got to get better we can't reach okay places. A little further will push you to prayer, and I'm trying to hurry. A little further commitment to going a little further will push you to prayer, oh my Father. Prayer can never become one of the lost arts of the church. We must give ourselves to prayers never before. I want you to understand, I saw some folks in the sanctuary praying this morning, even while music practice was going on, feel free to do so. Feel free to come in here and kneel and pray. Prayer can never become the lost art. Church, we must give ourselves today to prayer as never before. That night, Jesus entered into a place of secret prayer. He went a little further. His prayer closet took him to a point that his disciples had never been, so he didn't bring them there. They couldn't handle the strain of the moment, but he went. And there's people here today that God is calling you to a place. It might be pressure. It might be a little bit of strain. It might be a little uncomfortable. You might sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. But if you'll go a little further, it's where you'll make your greatest impact. It's where you make your greatest impact. If you're willing to go, I want our young people to hear what I'm preaching. I know I'm boring you out of your mind and I'm not trying to, but I want you to hear. Go a little further. Justin, keep going, man. Don't stop. Keep going. Brianna, keep going. All of you young people, keep going. Don't stop. Get a little closer. Get a little bit more. Jesus goes a little further and he will have to wrestle in agony. That will be more spiritual than physical. It is night and Jesus is left behind the fellowship at the table and the presence of his best friends. He's crossed the brook Kedron. He's in the garden. A secret place. A place of prayer. I have some scriptures I was going to read. Because of the clock, we'll keep going. This is not a practice that was strange to the Lord. He knew what secret prayer was about. But going a little further pushed him into a place of greater prayer. Secret prayer. Whatever the stimulus to get us to that place. Always brings great reward. Daniel learned it praying alone. And the great angel Gabriel was sent swiftly to him. To tell him his prayers had been answered. Cornelius! Praying alone. An angel came to him to report his prayers were heard. Peter praying alone. God instructs him in the mystery of the calling of the Gentiles in a vision on a rooftop. If your prayers are going to go a little further, you will have to get a little God a little more out of your comfort zone. You'll have to stretch your routine and discipline of prayer. And I encourage everybody to pray the scriptures. And if you don't get all of this, you can listen to it online next week. But Psalm 4 is prayers you pray in night. Psalm 5 is prayers you pray in the morning. Psalm 7 is prayer for deliverance from slandering tongues. Psalm 32 is getting right with God. Psalm 42 and 43 is thirsting for God. Psalm 46 is praying a mighty fortress is our God. Psalm 84 is a blazing song of joy. Psalm 130 is how to wait on the Lord. Psalm 137 is praying out your anger. Psalm 139 is a prayer for self-examination. And we could go on and known the psalms were prayers and songs that the children of israel worshiped with in fact if you're going to go to the wailing wall outside of jerusalem today and i've been there you would hear the old rabbis praying through the psalms and the prophets this information is something the devil don't want you to have he don't want you to know it but it can make your prayers go a little further If your prayers are going to go a little further, your prayer times have to become priority. Your prayer needs to have vehemence and earnestness in them. It only takes a place. It only takes place when we go a little further. Let me hurry on. A little further will make you embrace the cup. Going a little further will make you embrace the cup, which is not my will. Sometimes embracing the cup is one of the most challenging portions of life that we ever, we'll ever ever face. More often than not, it will take several prayer meetings to finally get to the place of victory that will allow you to say the words, not my will, but thine be done. I wish I could tell you that it was an easy thing to accomplish this, but it isn't. But it will be in those wearying moments of submission that you begin to understand that God has a place that only you can serve in. The challenge of the cup Is that there are two worlds pulling at us. There is the love of this present world. It's riches. It's honor. It's ambition. It's coveting. It's whole, it's coveting whole that asserts itself. These things seem to be so easy to gather in and to enjoy. The man who has any spiritual knowledge at all seems to fight the hardest against the undertow of this deceptive attraction of worldliness. This world, the one we live in every day, has so little to offer in comparison to the world to come. But the world to come seems so far away. And the one I live and breathe in is with me every day. Every day, it's hard to embrace the cup. Your prayers over the cup will be a process. Jesus had to pray twice about it. The first prayer was for removal. The second prayer was submission. Chances are that we'll have to pray more than once or twice when it comes to the cup. No longer will the thought be, let this cup pass We'll quit thinking that way after a while Let this cup pass. But rather it'll be if this cup will not pass then I want to do the will of God. And there's people sitting all over this building today that have never learned how to embrace the cup, to drink of the cup. Let's go a little further. This is where I'm headed in my message today. Going a little further Going a little further, you have to learn to let the sleepy sleep. When you want to go further in your relationship with God, there's going to be people around you that find this process very boring. You're not going to get any support. And they're going to get really weary with what you're trying to do. I want to encourage you today. Just let the sleepy Look carefully at the passage in Matthew Matthew 26. Jesus told them, sit ye here. He didn't even ask them to pray. He just said, sit. You don't have to do anything. Just sit. And I'm going to go pray. The next verse, he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. He prays, comes back, finds him asleep. He tells them to watch and pray. The eight he left at the gate, just sit here. The three he said, watch and pray with me. Just keep your eyes open and just keep praying. He knew what was coming, and he was trying to bring them to a place where they could bear it. I, I want to say here today, and I'm going out on a limb, and I don't want to get caught up in anybody's theology, but I do, I do believe today, had Peter gone as far as Jesus had intended him to go, he would have never drawn his sword that night. Watch and pray, he says He went away the second time. He prayed. And the Bible said he came back and found them asleep again. For their eyes were heavy. And he left them again. And went the third time and prayed. And when he came back the third time, he just simply told them, just go to sleep. Sleep on. You're not getting it. You have no clue what's fixing to happen. Even though I've told you over and over again, you have no clue. So just get your sleep. Get plenty of rest. Since you won't pray, you're going to need a lot of rest. Because it's fixing to get real crazy around here. There's people here this morning that are wanting to go a little bit further you're wanting to make that commitment but there's people around you and there's voices in your ear i taught this past wednesday night that when there's people around you that discourage you from going to your destiny and to developing your vision you need to shut out those voices It can be a nagging wife. It can be a grumpy husband. It can be unsatisfied kids. It can be parents who've lived a life of hypocrisy and everything else. But I'm here to preach with everything on the inside of me. If there's something burning on the inside of you here today, and you just feel like, if I can get a little bit closer to Jesus, if I can go a little bit further in my relationship with God, that I can make more of an impact on the lives of those around me than I've ever done so shut up the voices and just tell them just go night night it's okay just sleep go ahead and slumber and do whatever you want but I'm going a little further if you're committed to go a little further you'll get to the place where all the things that are supposed to be supporting you are going to fall asleep. Have you ever been in that position before? There's people here today that are at a crossroads. The challenge is seemingly is greater than what you have the ability to do, and there's doubts that just don't seem to turn loose, and there's a thorn that won't go away, and there's a past that's always in your future, and you can't get it behind you, you can't forget it, but you can put it. Behind you, there's people that have made wrong turns in life. Jesus had come to that point, And although he was God in flesh, there was still that need for fellowship on a human level. That need for human support and acts of kindness and encouragement. He wanted his disciples to at least struggle with him. I am increasingly coming and I'm bringing this to a close I am increasingly coming to the point to believe that God ordains such moments for us when he lets the very things that we thought was going to hold us up and keep us propped up and supported he lets them go to sleep there's people here today that can't do hardly anything because of dependency on other people's perspectives and opinions and desires and thoughts and what have you. God's turn to pull you out of it, man. And he's gonna let some of those things go to sleep in your life. There's people here today that depend on a person. They go to sleep in a lack of concern. You depend on a career and cutbacks are made and it goes to sleep and you depend on money, but the economy is at a point that will probably never recover, at least the way we've known it in times past. and You depend on your work to define you, and then it becomes distasteful to you, and you depend on your own sense of determination and perseverance, and then wells of inspiration dry up, and you depend on your health, which has always been good, and then it starts to falter, and you depend on your family, and they have other obligations to fulfill, and you depend on an organization, and it falters with base motivations. It's a good thing. It's a good thing when it happens, because if God is ever going to get you in a position where everything you've determined to hold on to if he can make that go to sleep on you and you don't have it no more it will urge you to get closer to him and further away from them so you shake you prod, you plead, you cajole, and you beg all of your support group can't you help me in what I'm doing young people go through it all the time can't you just support what I'm doing Can't you, can't you, can't you, and somehow every time you look at them, they're sleeping. Their eyes are glazed over. They don't know where you're at. They don't know what your desires are. They don't understand what's going on the inside of you, and God lets them sleep. So what will you do when you get to that place? It's a position, it's a position that God will let you get. In conclusion today the last thing I will tell you about going a little further is that the prayers, the submission to the will of God dealing with sleepers is a process that pulls you to your place. Jesus finally came back and said rise, let us be going. That's when you know that God has you at the threshold of your destiny. There's a calling there's a purpose, a destiny that God has for every one of us to put on a new man. So I'm going to ask today in this congregation, who's ready to think? Who's ready to know? Who's ready to learn? Who's ready to do? Is there anybody here today ready to live joyfully, ready to have victory? Is there people here today that's really unaware of your own self? Is there anybody here today sure of your mission Are you confident and fearless who is prepared despite the circumstances, who's ready to take the irritations of life in stride. The whole process can cause us to have to endure some rough teachers, some rough road. But these times makes us better and greater for impact. If you'll stand with me this morning, when Brother Brian was teaching, of course, he had no idea what I was preaching this morning. But he made an awesome statement. He said he didn't want to get crossed up in in anybody's doctrine or theology. Neither do I, but he had a valid point. Could you imagine what the disciples felt like when Jesus ascended? They were just getting over the fact that he had died and left them. And he resurrected. So they got all pumped up again and excited. How did they feel when he ascended? They'd never seen anybody do that before. You've seen people die. They've even seen people, someone resurrected. Is he coming back? He said he was, but when? Dear me. Jesus is gone. He left all of them behind. But Brother Brian was right. As God in flesh in human form, his impact was limited. It had too many parameters. But when he left, Them behind, he came back in a way that impacted the entire world and has since then. I'm looking at this congregation today, and there's people here that could go a little further in your marriage, you can go a little further in your parenting, you can go a little further on your job, and certainly all of us can go a little further spiritually. It's only to make you better and to give you greater impact. There's people here today who have been discouraged by others in the way you worship. There's people here today that have been criticized for the way you pray. There's people here today that have been dismayed because you thought you had the support of your friends and family, but actually it's gone the other way. There's a lot of negative voices in our world, and there's a lot of them in this church. But if you're here today... And you want to go a little further. Let those people go to sleep. Just Put them to sleep. Tuck them in. Night-night. Don't let the bag buds bite. I'll see you in the morning. But when you see me in the morning. When I come back. I'm going to be a different man. different woman. I don't care how long you've been in Pentecost. Or how long you haven't been in Pentecost. It doesn't matter. What well, does matter. Do you want to go a little further? Do you? Do you? Do you want to have a greater impact? Do you want to have greater significance? I know the hour's late and I'm racing the clock. I haven't done the message justice. But as they begin to play and sing softly, fellas, what are you going to do? You're happy with the status quo? You're happy with fitting in with your peer group? You're happy now that you've become whatever your friends say you should be? Isn't it awesome when you go to school in the morning that you all look alike? You all wear the same clothes. You've been forced and pushed into a mold. Not only has our school system done it, but our society has done it. If you don't dress a certain way, you're weird, man. If you don't do this a certain way, why is it inherent in humanity to want to be like somebody else? Why do I want to be like London? Give me a reason. Why would I want to be like Emerald? I'm serious. I'm not picking on anybody. Why would I want to be like Brother James? Why would I want to be like Brother Alexander? These are great people. Y'all misunderstand. Y'all are way misunderstanding me. I preached the whole message and you had not gotten it. The point is, is that God, Brother Lawrence, wants you to be you the way He sees you. That's what he wants. It's okay to have a mentor. It's okay to have an example. But I'm happy to say, and I say it respectfully. I say it respectfully. The reason you can't go a little further is because you don't hear what I'm preaching. I don't have to be like Brother James. He's doing a good job. I don't have to be like London. She's doing a great job at that. What God wants me to be is me like Him so I can have the greatest impact. Man, I know I've got a tall mountain to climb. The clock is against me. And there's a mindset that's huge against me. But there's people here today that's taken on the nature of a church, a pastor. You've taken on the nature of your parents. You've taken on the nature of this. When are we going to start taking on the nature of God? <laughs> Anybody want to go a little further? Anybody want to go a little further? I'm tired of the past. I'm tired of the way my life has been tired of the marriage stuff I'm tired of the kids stuff I need a God connect I need something supernatural in my life I need a divine intervention does anybody want to go a little further God brought us to the threshold of heaven this morning in a moment of worship can you get back there in commitment can you go back to that same point in commitment what do you want to do it's up to you are you waiting me to ask? I shouldn't have to ask. I shouldn't have to ask, do you want to come? If you want to, that should be automatic one right there already. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you want to go a little further? You can come this morning, stand, kneel. You can lay on the floor if you want. All I'm asking is for a handful of people here today to go a little further with me. Would you go a little further with me? Please go a little bit more. Give a little bit more. Sacrifice a little bit more. What are you going to do? Show me your glory.